Okay, welcome back to the Here We Go Again podcast, the latest episode. I'm joined by Paul Holiday, who makes his uh, debut on the podcast. And we've got a, another special guest today, Alan Thompson. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good. So like, like I said, um, it's going to be a bit of a chat through your career. Obviously, you were born in Newcastle, started your professional career at Newcastle United in, uh, in 1991 when you signed your first pro contract. So that must be a dream come true for you in, in many ways. Yeah, without a doubt. As a kid, I was going to St. James's Park to... Uh, to watch my heroes, people like Chris Waddle and Peter Beardsley, Paul Gascoigne, Kevin Keegan. Um, so to eventually get signed as a as a 16-year-old after school and then break into the first team a couple of years after that was a dream come true, yeah. Early on in your... Sorry, Paul. So making your debut um St. James's Park in front of, you know, your, your friends watching stuff, that must have been really special. Like, like you said, a dream come true. Yeah, it was, it was funny how it happened, actually, because um, I was sub on the day I actually made my debut. I was sub, and uh, one of my best friends growing up and still best friends today, Lee Clark, he, uh, he got injured in the warm-up. So um, the manager come in at the time was Ozzy Ordealist, World Cup winner with uh, Argentina. He come in and said, Tom, you're starting. This was at 10 to 3, so I didn't have any time think about it so it was great if I'd have known on the Friday I was playing I wouldn't have got much sleep so the fact that I only had 10 minutes to prepare to start the game was uh, it was a blessing really and what do you remember from your from your debut how did, did I, I mean, must have gone in a flash I guess I did, yeah you don't remember an awful lot I mean it's a long time ago um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember making a goal I, I got the ball on the left and crossed the ball in and uh, Steve Howie uh, scored with a with a bullet header so um, I remember I remember that and um, I think we won the game. Can't really remember, but I think we won. Obviously, Alan, a, a positive start for you in the sense that you were playing for your, your hometown team, but that 91-92 season, even though you played 15 times, a real positive in that sense. Newcastle finished 20th in the second division in a real relegation battle. Never played in the third tier before. So, and, and the club apparently severely in debt as well. Was it a tough environment to be in as a young lad or...? Or we just yeah, it was it was tough for myself um, and other lads because at the time there was a lot of local lads broke through into the team. Myself, um, Lee Clark, who I've mentioned, Steve Watson, Robbie Elliott, Alan Nielsen, Steve Howie, all these were local lads, and um, we weren't thrown into the deep end as such. But um, it was the next best thing. But we did have some senior players around us to help us. But um, it wasn't the best time to be at Newcastle United, without a doubt. But still, it was a pleasure to be there playing. But um, could have been under different circumstances would have been better. Yeah, obviously the following season, things turned around for the club. They managed to win the league and get promoted, I think, 92-93 with Kevin Keegan as manager. But you didn't play too often under Kevin Keegan. Was, was we disappointed in, in many ways to not play, but sort of pleased that the team had done well? Yeah, it was great seeing the team doing well, but obviously I had a taste of playing, so um, it was difficult knowing that I wasn't going to be playing. and. Um, I think what happened that year as well, we went to, myself and Steve Watson went to Australia for the Youth World Cup in the middle of the season. And um, when we come back from Australia, we'd signed another left-sider, which was my position, who was a lad called Scott Sellers, who was a, who was a top, top player, Scott. Um, done brilliant for Newcastle United, amongst other clubs in his career. So it was going to be difficult for me to break in. They'd also signed the right-back in Steve Watson's position. So we come back to find two other players in front of us on top of what was already there. So. It was a tough time and um, it was a time when I had to think about my career and I'd been out injured a long time with a neck injury. Um, so it was a, it was a tough time and then 
I had to make the decision, was I going to stay at Newcastle and probably sit around on the bench for long periods or did I want to go and try and establish myself elsewhere? And what, yeah, you had that, um, that decision to make kind of thing. Um, how did the, the move to Bolton come about and did you have offers else from other clubs? Yeah, I had offers from elsewhere, but um, it was funny actually because the assistant manager at the time, Colin Todd, I'd known Colin for a long time because his son, Andy Todd, who had later come to Bolton, um, Toddy and I went to the Centre of Excellence together at Newcastle as for 11, 12, 13-year-olds. So Colin knew all about me and I knew all about Colin as well. So um, Colin was the one who made the first contact about being interested, but I brought be interested in Bolton with himself and, and Bruce Riott as a manager. Yeah, and I yeah. suppose, um, I remember when um, you were signed, Bruce Riock said to the press at the time that, you know, you're the kind of player he wanted to build a team around. And did you kind of get that impression from, from meeting Bruce and Colin again? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the club had already had success at the level they'd been at in League One and um, obviously then getting promoted to the championship and, and being the kind of manager he was and Colin being, and they were both very successful players as well as having success, successful periods as managers. They both wanted to build the club and take the club places and that's what they've done. And there was already established players there and then there was, there was a good element of youth there with the likes of Stubbsy and Jason and people like that as well. So, and then he, he added myself and then one or two other players which put the club forwards, obviously. I mean, when you, when you speak to people about that era, so certainly the players from that era, they mention about the, um, the camaraderie in the dressing room and, and the mentality that Bruce and Colin gave. Was that very evident from day one? Oh, yeah, it was very tight-knit, very tight-knit between the, the players and the staff. Um, the backroom staff and even even the staff who worked in the canteen at lunchtime, the tea lady. It was a very, very different kind of club to what I come from in terms of Newcastle. Um, there was a real connection between the players and the fans and that, that wasn't so much the case at Newcastle. We trained we trained in Durham, which was 20-odd mile away from Newcastle at Bolton. We trained around the corner. We parked the cars at Burnham Park. You got to see the fans most days if they wanted to come and get photographs or autographs or what have you. So, yeah, there was a real connection, yeah. Yeah, I remember that time as well, because like, I worked to the ticket at the time, and I remember you, Didzy, and a couple of other players used to come in and help with the telephones when things were busy. Yeah, yeah, we'd pop in and do a little bit, as long as we got a cup of tea and a biscuit out of it. Like, that was all right. <laughs> that was, it was, you got to know everyone on first name terms, and, and there was no superstars, we were all the same. Um, so, I watched your podcast with John McGinn last week, which was interesting, so um, <laughs> still can't understand the word he says, but uh, there you go. <laughs> Which players would you say you clicked with first out of the squad? Who did you sort of get to know? Um, Didzy was very helpful. Obviously, Didzy had been a young lad moving away from Bolton to go to Southampton, so he knew what it was about. Uh, John John was great with me. Uh, and the, they were the senior boys. And um, I obviously clicked with Jason and, and Stubbsy very quickly as well because they weren't too dissimilar to me in age. Yeah, the, the first season... That you were then, John McGinley, Owen Coyle scored 50 goals between them that season, but you were third on the list with, with eight goals. I mean, you must have been pretty pleased with your first season at the club. Did they score 50 between them? I think McGinley scored 33 of them, though, saying that. I was going to say McGinley scored 41, Coyley scored <laughs> nine. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they were, they were quite prolific. They were quite prolific. And um, I like to think I had a few assists along the way. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to add to that there. As a winger, it must have been pleasing to sort of be running down the wing and then looking to the box and you've got players like, obviously, McGinley, who we know as a poacher. In, yeah, in, I mean... On the end of it. 
when you're a wide man like myself and, and Didzy on the other side, you just have to, a lot of the time, pick out an area. And then you've got to trust John and Coyley or whoever was playing up front on that day. You've got to trust their instincts to get on the end of a ball. And some crosses would have been, you know, on a sixpence for them. And some crosses might not have been the best cross, but they, them lads were prepared to make bad crosses into good crosses to get themselves a goal and, and brave at that. Yeah, one game that sticks out for me from that period was the, um, the game against Forest. I think it was live on Granada at the time. It was like one of the first live games Bolton yeah. had been on for a while. And um, yeah, it was a real um, roller coaster of a game, which we ended up winning. But you obviously scored um, a fantastic goal by the outside of your left foot. What, what do you remember from that game? You know, you brought so much to, to the I, I, team, really. I just remember it being a televised game. I think it was the first televised game I was involved in. And uh, I remember Stan Collymore was playing for them. And yeah. um, and an old teammate of mine was in goal for them, Tommy Wright. I uh, was at Newcastle when I was at Newcastle. So my mum and dad's got that photograph still to this day in the front room in the house with come, ball coming off the outside of my left foot. So, no, that's a, that's a good memory. Um, so, yep. obviously, a first, first televised game, it's, it's special, isn't it? Yeah, but you, you were one of the lucky players. You played at Burning Park and the Reebok Stadium, as it was called then. Um, Burning Park's a classic historical ground. You must... Like you said, you've had great memories there. What was it like to play in front of the, you know, the crowds there, particularly when they were quite full? The atmosphere was, was phenomenal, really, wasn't it? Yeah, there were, there were great days there. A real old football stadium, wasn't it? And you know, it was the pitch was elevated. Um, the atmosphere when it got going was, was electric. Um, obviously, a lot of stands in that ground as well, not, not seating. So, um, yeah, very compact and it was a tough place for teams to come and get results because of the way we played as well and the backing of the, of the Burnden role. Yeah. yeah. Going towards the last season at Burnden as well, such a special season in many respects. Not only was it the last season, um, which was quite emotional for a lot of fans, but it was a record-breaking season as well, um, getting back to the, to the Premier League. Yeah, it was a special season. And, and uh, as I heard John say last week, um, he scored the last goal and he was he was desperate to score the first goal going to the new ground. But uh, I was I, I remember scoring myself in the last game, so I was uh, I was delighted to be a part of that as well. So um, it was a special season. Um, we had some great runs in terms of you know going unbeaten for that many length of games and what have you. So um, yeah, it was a fitting way to end an unbelievable time at uh, Burnham Park for for the Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Just Which jumping is... back a bit as well. You um, you were involved in the in the team that got promoted to the Premier League back in 95 as well. And you also had the distinction of scoring Bolton's first ever goal in the Premier League as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was um, a away game against Wimbledon, 3-2 defeat, but you, you scored the first goal for the club. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that, actually. You just uh, taught me something I didn't know there. So, um, <laughs> um, no, that was, uh, that's a nice one to add as well. Then. Yeah, I mean, what do you remember from that playoff game just before we got promoted? It was such a, a special game, wasn't it? 4-3 against Reading. And, you know, as they say, it was one of the, the classics. Well, we were so nearly down and out, you know, because we were 2-0 down and we nearly went 3-0 down, but Branny makes a fantastic save. And it kind of gives you a lift. And um, I think we get in at half-time, Galloway thoughts, because um, we, we hadn't really started. I don't know if it was a bit of a hangover from of, of disappointment of losing the quarter cup final um, not, not, not too long before. But um, once we got our second win and got our got our tails up, we got back in the game, you know. Yeah, like you say, Wembley was a, the second time we'd visited that season. You obviously must remember that Co the Coca-Cola Cup game because of that um, world, world that he scored. Yeah, it was just, it's nice to score at Wembley, but 
it would have been better if we'd have got something out of the game, i.e. win as medal. But um, no, it was uh, I think it was it was nil nil or was it, it might have been one nil to Liverpool as well in the first half and I've swung my right foot as I do because it's not particularly very good. <laughs> and uh actually thought I'd scored and uh GMO managed to get his hand to it and clip it onto the bar and it was apt when I've I've watched it back a couple of times, not in recent recently actually. And because um, I hadn't seen it for a long time, and it was an absolute world class save. So, had that gone in, I think it might have been nil nil when, when he made that save. So, I think, it, I think you're right. It was a close game, really, wasn't it? I mean, I know yeah. Manaman kind of like yeah. was the star of the show, but when, when you score that goal, it kind of like you know, it showed it how close it actually was. Yeah, it was. It, we we get a, give a real good account of ourselves that day. I think it was a top Liverpool team, you know. I think uh, oh. Ian Rook played, Tom Barnes was playing, Jamo was in goal. Um, Robbie Fowler, you know, it was a Jamie Redknapp, it was a real good Liverpool team. So it was obviously disappointing to go to Wembley and you don't want to lose. Um, but we did give a half decent account of ourselves, yeah. yeah. Obviously, a bit, a bit before that, Tom, or in, in your first season, obviously, that was a great cup run uh, in the Cook, in the Cook Hall Cup, yeah. Um, the FA Cup run in your first season, that was obviously a fantastic run, managing to beat, you know, Everton. Aston Villa, Arsenal, was he a little bit of disappointment, an element of disappointment in losing, even though they were in the Premier League at the time, losing to Oldham in the quarters and not maybe getting that little bit further in that competition? Yeah, definitely. I think when you say, mention the team prior to that, who we played and, and, and beaten to get through to the following round, um, we really fancied ourselves. It, it, it burned in against Oldham. So, but let's not forget as well, it was a good Oldham team that, but yeah, it was disappointing not to go any further. Yeah, just talk us through that goal again in the Coca-Cola Cup final. Because I was going to ask you, is, is that the best goal you score for Bolton? Because, I mean, there's a couple I could mention. Probably another one against Liverpool as well in 97-98 at Anfield. But is that one in, in the final at Wembley right up there? Um, yeah, it will be up there again. The other one that you're going to mention against Liverpool at Anfield, that, that's another one. But I think the only count is... As real special goals if you win the game, like you know. But in terms of individual goals, yeah, I was there. Uh, I was more than happy with both of them. But uh, you don't get anything for them, unfortunately. Yeah, yes. but the one, one, the one at Wembley. I just remember. I think it might have been a throw-in, and someone flipped it on and landed on my chest with my back to goal and just swiveling and hitting it. And and uh, the next thing I know, I didn't even see it actually until I turned, stood up and saw that it, it had bounced out the stanchion. So. Um, that uh, was nice, but it's a shame we couldn't get back in the game. But we did have a, we did have a real go at them, yeah. Is that the mentality as a, as a footballer? Even if you score a brilliant goal in the cup final, if you're on the losing side, it's it's kind of the feeling of scoring a brilliant goal is just sort of mauled by that disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say 99.9 percent of footballers would feel the same way. I mean, when I when I played for Celtic in the 2003 UEFA Cup final. Henrik Larsson had probably one of his best games for Celtic, but we got 3-2 off Mourinho's Porto in extra time. Henrik was as disappointed as everyone else, and he scored two great goals and, and had a fantastic game. So everyone wants to be on the winning side. So, yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, looking at things off the field, I mean, we've done a pod with uh, Jason McAteer, who obviously you, you, you said you clicked with. He was sort of a similar age to you, one of the sort of early 20s, youngish lads in, in the squad. Now, he told us a story about Bruce Rioch, actually, and there was a car garage at the top of the road where Burnham Park was. I mean, Paul will be able to sort of acknowledge this a bit because I obviously never went to Burnham. Too young he, as well. he, he bought a green lotus with Jason McAteer and he turned up for training in it and 
within sort of half an hour, an hour, the manager had, had sort of made him return it to the, the the car garage at the top of the road. Is that what he was? He a bit like that with the younger lads, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was very, yeah, he was very much a fatherly figure. Um, I remember when I first come to Bolton, I, lived, I moved into a hotel for a little bit, a uh, moat house in the town. And then um, not long after that, I, I rented a little cottage out in the sticks. I moved into a cottage out in the sticks a little bit and uh, I got led astray a little bit off Brownie and, and, McGin <laughs> and McGinley on one or two occasions. And uh, Bruce pulled us in one day. He said, I need to get, get your father down. Like, so I rings my dad up in Newcastle. I said, Dad, the manager wants to see you. So he said, uh, my dad comes down the following day. We have a meeting. And Bruce said, he's not living in that cottage anymore. He said, I've got, a, uh, I've got a landlady called Carol, who's a lovely woman, lives up in, uh, on Burry Old Road. So he's moving in there. Get out the flat and you're moving in there and she's going to look after you. So, yeah, yeah, he ruled with an iron fist, if you want to say that, yeah. Well, I suppose he got a lot of respect from the players and all the players from that era, they had nothing but fantastic words to say about him. Yeah, yeah. He, was, um, he set the standards on and off the pitch, even, even in training, you know, where... Um, I remember one day I pulled out of a 50-50 tackle with him. The last thing I want to do is go through the manager and hurt him. You know, he's a 50-odd-year-old guy. So <laughs> I pulled out the tackle and he stopped the session and sent me in. He said, don't ever do that again. So, yeah, he was uh, pretty intimidating, shall we say. Yeah. He recently did an interview with the Bolton News and he mentioned um, that one of his regret, regrets was going to Arsenal. Um, obviously, it didn't work out at Arsenal for him. When he actually left Bolton, I suppose fans were probably gutted that he left but couldn't blame him for wanting to manage at the highest level possible at a club like Arsenal was that kind of the feeling that was echoed in the dressing room yeah I think so I think, I think when you're a player and you see other players moving on to bigger things and better things you know it's it's um it's one of those things that you have to accept even though you're disappointed you know everyone wants to go and play for the biggest clubs and, and try and win things at the end of the day um so we, we, we could understand the reasons, although we did have disappointment in the dressing room, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was like continuation of sorts because the club kind of went with the two-manager approach with Roy McFarlane and Colin Todd. So the, there was a continuation with Colin Todd, but Roy McFarlane didn't quite last that long. What, what were your memories from that era and, and working under, under that kind of uh, manager? Well, it, it's quite a, quite a difficult one when you've got two guys doing the same job because who, who, who's, who's right and who's wrong and who, who, yeah. who's... Who's making the decisions at the end of the day? If we get beat one 0 on the Saturday, and we're going on the Monday morning, who's who's made the decision to make the sub? Who's who's made who's made the final decision on the team? It's difficult when there's two figureheads when when really there should be one and then one under that. So um, I don't know why Colin couldn't have been the manager in the first place, and maybe Roy come in as he number two, because then the book the book rests with Colin. Then, but it was difficult when there was two. Um, and, and, and you didn't really know how to go and see when you wanted to go and talk to someone. So it's much easier when there is one, which is eventually what happened when Roy left. Um, Colin was the manager and, and, and done a decent job. Yeah. That was, of course, that season was obviously Bolton's first season in the Premier League. Obviously, I'm sure it was a, a momentous occasion for the club, for the town, for everybody. Obviously, it ended in disappointment, but how good did it feel getting promoted to the Premier League? Of course, it was... Your first time playing in the Premier League as well, I believe. So it yeah. must have been a brilliant occasion for everybody. Oh, it was fantastic. You know, you're going to some of the best grounds in, the, in, in Europe and you're playing against some of the best players in the world. You know, at that time, some of the players playing in the Premier League was phenomenal. And for Bolton to do that, um, 
not too long before that they've been playing in League One, and then and then you know a couple of years later they're in the Premiership, you know, sparring against the big boys, and then um, some great occasions. Yeah, really was for the fans as well. I'm sure. Was it a big party after the Reading game? Was it big celebrations? Yeah, I think there was. I think we went to a uh, we went to a hotel, and then I think the next day that the players all got together with our families, and uh, yeah, we had a couple of glasses of rugby, shall we say? <laughs> Just looking at the playoffs as well before that game. I mean, the the first leg was two one at Molyneux. Jason McAteer scored. Did it feel like coming back to Burnham Park that they were slightly the favourites, or did did you guys feel like you you were the favourites at that point? We fancied ourselves. Um, Obviously, it's a semi-final. It's like a final. It can go either way. Um, but we we fancied with the atmosphere under the lights it burned and on the on that night. We fancied with the players we had, we could we could do it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was that game like to play in? Because obviously, you two have got a lot of experience of Burnham Park. What was yeah. it like to play in that game? I, I imagine the crowd must have really helped that night. Yeah, the, the, the crowd were right behind us, and I, I can remember Mixu scoring a great goal. Mixu part of line, and then. Um, just remember after that the relief of actually of actually having over two legs. You know you've, you've you've played for the amount of time you have, and now you've got a final to look forward to in a couple of weeks' time. And you know your suit's getting ready to go to Wembley and stuff like that. So the euphoria after the game was like, listen, we've done well, but the job's not done. We've got to go to Wembley yet and, and finish it off, type of thing. You know. Yeah, we touched on that final a little bit, but and I've spoke to a few few of your teammates from that era on the podcast and they say sort of a similar thing to what I'm going to say now they they said that playing against Liverpool at Wembley sort of a month or two earlier even though you lost the game the experience set you up in good stead in the playoff final it gave you maybe a little bit of a mental edge going into the game over Reading yeah i think i think going and and having the Liverpool experience definitely helped us but then I'm not sure if it affected us from the, in the first half of the game against Redden in terms of the, the mental score of losing the game type of thing. Until I think after half time, when we had a little blowout at half time in the dressing room, I think we got a lot of the cobwebs out of the way and thought, come on, we've got 45 minutes here, or the season's dead. You know, we've got nothing out of it. And it's been a great season. We've got to a cup final, albeit got beat up Liverpool. We got to Wembley, we're 2 0 down. What are we going to do? Lie down and let the season just fizzle away, or are we going to have a go? And, we had a go 45 minutes and then we got another 30 minutes and extra time to finish it off. So there yeah, was um it was it was all the season rested on 45 minutes against against Redden. So but I think that Liverpool game, it might have affected the start of the game against Redden, but I think once we settled down into the game, the Liverpool game might have just helped us, yeah. I mean, obviously I was a fan at the time and um I still am. <laughs> but at, at Wembley at that time, I think as soon as Brannigan made that save, you could feel amongst the Bolton fans that you know, well, you that do. was the turning point. Was it? Well, you do. The, the, the fans would feel the same as the players. Yeah. You know, play it a little bit, you're 2-0 down in a, in a playoff final. And then it's just little moments like that can change games. And, and, and Branny, you know, got a character as he was. He was a very, very good goalkeeper and obviously yeah. got recognition for the Republic of Ireland as well. So shows you how good he was. And, you know, big players make, you know, big decisions and big moments and Branny done that and it give everyone a lift. We sense the lift of the, the, the atmosphere changing in the, the boat and end of the ground, which definitely, definitely give us a lift. Yeah, and the heads dropped at the Reading end as well. You, you could almost like feel it. It was just, just an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. We're just thinking if we get a goal back, that, that them missing a penalty could severely affect their mentality and that's just what happened, like, you know. Um, yeah, you scored the club's first ever goal in the Premier League the following season. 
how tough was that season? I mean, I know obviously you got the chance to play in the Premier League again with Bolton and things sort of were a little bit better. I know two relegations, but that first season finishing bottom of the league, sort yeah. of a drift from the pack, how tough was it? Yeah, well, it was very tough, but wasn't that the season where we got the goal disallowed against Everton? Yeah, was that the... No, that was the yeah. first season at the Reebok, that. Um, what was that? Against Everton, yeah. That was um, two seasons afterwards. Oh, was it? Right. The, what was that the first season then? The first season, what, finished bottom of the league, didn't we? That was after Brute. After Obviously, the Brute Reading one. The yeah. And then it was, yeah. like, like Paul said there, it was, was it Roy McFarland and uh, Colin Todd at first in joint charge? Yeah. But we finished yeah. bottom of the league, didn't we? I mean, did it feel like that we, we weren't good enough at that point? Or what, what were the reasons for sort of struggling as, as much as we did in that season? We were still at Burnley then, weren't we, as well? I, just, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was just a tough one. You know, you're, you're making a step up from, from championship level, which is obviously a good level of football, to, to a different level. I think one of the first games was at Burnley Park against Blackburn Rover, or Newcastle, I think, yeah. Newcastle, and they just signed Les Ferdinand and David Ginola, you know, and I think I think that was that was our first home game of the season. I think is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah. And I that think... was just David Ginola just tore tore the shreds. Like, and I remember Les Ferdinand scoring a great goal. So we were, we were playing against real top top players, which was a huge step up, you know. And I know the cup final against Liverpool. We were playing against a very good Premier League team, but when you're doing it week in week out. You've got to be at a certain level, and I just don't think we were quite up to getting to that level week in, week out. Whereas cup games, you can bring yourself up to that level for the yeah. one-off game. Whereas when that, that time, I don't think we were, I don't think we were ready for that challenge of getting week in, week out to that level to win games in the Premier League. But then obviously we bounced back in incredible style the following season. I mean, by far, we were by far and away the best team in Division One when we won the title. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean. It is disappointing when you get relegated from the Premier League, or that well, that's the only league I've been relegated from. But um, it's 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 a tough summer. You just want the next season to start and get get back on the bridle and, and start getting results again. And, and luckily, we started the season well, and uh, we went on. We didn't really take the foot off the gas throughout the season. Yeah, whilst at Bolton, you got under twenty one recognition, didn't you? You played at youth levels before, but. Making that next step up on the international scene under 21, you must have been delighted when you got that call through. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you wait and you wait and it doesn't happen, but when it comes, it's nice. So um, there's a few lads in the under 21s as well who I'd played with in the youth system with England as well. So now it's always nice to get international recognition. Yeah, it just shows how well you're doing for your club. What, what do you remember from that? From making your debut for the under 21s? Not, not a lot, if I'm honest. Um, not a lot. I haven't got the best memory, mate. But um, <laughs> no, it's, it's these these occasions that just seem to come and go, and yeah. you know, you wish you just wish you could memorise them and, and and bottle them a little bit and and get the feelings that they give you, like you know. So you, it's it's more the the bad feelings that you tend to remember, you know, the relegations and getting beaten the cup, call a cup final, and things like that, rather than the good ones, you know. Yeah. So, obviously, getting recognition for your country at any level, special, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 96-97 season, the one that we mentioned there, the title-winning season. You scored 13 goals that season. Obviously, we, we won the, the the title by a big margin. Two things, really. As a squad, you must have felt on top of your game. And I know, obviously, you've been a part of a Celtic team that, that have dominated uh, in Scotland. But 
as an individual season, that season must be right up there in terms of a, a team completely dominating. Yeah, you just, I just, myself personally, I just felt every time I went on the pitch, I was going to have a decent game and I, and I just felt whoever I was playing against, I was going to get the better of. And yeah, it's, but that's, that's purely and simply down to the manager and, and getting your confidence levels to it, you know, and, and getting yourself right in the head. And, and that's like anything, if you're playing well week in, week out, it's difficult to get out of that, that run. And we just seem to have players all over the park doing their jobs to the best of their ability. And if you've got that, you know, you've got a right chance of, of having a successful team. And that's what we had that season at Bolton. There wasn't really anyone who didn't have one of the best seasons in their career at that given time. It must have been good to to get another another crack at playing in the Premier League sort of not long after we played in the Premier League before. Yeah, a bit of a yo-yo time, up, down, up. So, um, obviously it's tough, but um, I think we were slightly, slightly better prepared um, that season. I think the club had spent and had brought in some new new faces. Um, and it was um, obviously moving to a new ground as well, which was, was tough. Um, but it was something that the club felt had to happen. Yeah, just, just before we talk about that season, I mean, obviously there was a transition in stadium. You also, you, you scored the first goal at the Reebok, like Paul said earlier, but you scored in the last game at Burnham as well, in that 4-1 win against Charlton. That's sort of yeah. a fitting farewell, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it was, it was an emotional game, that last one at, at Burnham. Um, and it was great. I think we won 3-1, is that right? 4-1 four, four, it was, yeah. 4-1, four, four, yeah. So, um, I think John might have scored a couple. I scored one and I'm not sure who scored the other. But um, no, it, was, it was a fantastic way to finish there, winning 4-1 winning against Charlton, I think it was. Um, and then, um, obviously, um, a bit of a party after that game. Um, obviously, celebrating Burnham and, and, and getting promoted. Yeah, I think it was Jerry Taggart, I believe, that scored the other goal yeah. in that game. Jerry, right, yeah. right. Yeah, what, what, what was the feeling in the group about about leaving Burnham Park for the Reebok Stadium? I know it's sort of there was a lot of discussion with the fans and a lot of fans upset about having to leave Burnham and, and sort of move out of the town to the Reebok. Like, what was the conversation like in the in the group of players? Um, there wasn't really much chat about it, but what what we what I found we used to drive past it from from when it was at foundation level the Reebok because um, we had, I, I lived in on Chorley New Road in Heaton and. Myself and Branny used to drive up the, to Exton every day, the training ground. So we we seen it go from, you know, foundation level to being the stadium it was. So um, it was kind of an element of, of disappointment and not being at Burnham anymore because of the history, the tradition, the wonderful times, not just our teams, but previous teams had had there um, and moving on to a new chapter in the club's history. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was mixed feelings, I'd have to say. How did you feel, Paul? What were your feelings as a fan? Yeah, it was, um, I think, because I was youngish at the time, I, I was kind of excited that it was the next level. I think, um, obviously, Burning Park had a special place in the heart, but it was quite evident that after 102 years, the stadium wasn't really um, adequate for a, a club that was going to go on to, to be in the Premier League for such a long time. But, so, yeah, it was exciting. Like Tom all said, I, I used to drive up and you just see it built from... From literally it feels to um to what it is now with a retail park. It was yeah, it was special. And going to that first game, Alan, against Everton, it, I think it was in it was early September because um obviously it was um 
quite a tough ask to, to get it built on time for the start of the season. I think we got special permission from the league to play the first three, three or four games, games away from home. Yeah. So that first game against Everton, what was it like for you? Because I, I remember you were still laying the tarmac, weren't you, the day before? <laughs> so just yeah. to get everything ready. I was getting everything ready, but the pitch and everything about it, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was going to be a great place to play football. And um, I just, I remember the Everton game, um, nil nil, and we should have won. Really, we'd score a goal. I think it was big Jerry Taggart score a goal, and and if you if you jump ahead eight or nine months, you know that those three points could have would have kept us in the Premier League. I think so. Um, just shows you we didn't have the technology back then, but that would have uh, that would have made such a difference to our season had we been awarded the win. Although Tags would have had the first goal at Ubot then, but uh, <laughs> should have No, I'd rather Tags have it than me and get the three points, which would have kept us up without a doubt. Yeah, that was your last season at the club, of course. And like you say there, if, if VAR exists in 97-98, we stay up because obviously it goes right down to the wire and we go down at Chelsea. That must have been so disappointing to have almost kept the club in, in the Premier League, but for but for a decision like that in the Everton game, really. Yeah, just it's thin lines and it would have been those three points would have made all the difference to our season and would have kept us in the Premier League. And if we'd have stayed in the Premier Premier League, there's every chance I would have stayed at Bolton and, and, and had at least another season there. But um, it was a disappointment that we got relegated, really. Yeah, go, going towards you, you moved to Villa. I suppose it must have been difficult for you to leave, but like every young player, you know, you're ambitious. You, you know, you want to test yourself at the um, highest level week in, week out. And a kind of Villa must have kind of um, offered you that opportunity. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, Bolton was brilliant for me. I'd been there six seasons. I think I'd been there in total five, six seasons. So um, I'd give it me all there. I'd love the place. I made some great friends there. I've still got friends there now. Um, it was a fantastic place and brilliant memories. Played with some great players. And uh, obviously it was tough. You know, my uh, my eldest daughter was born there. Um, so it'll always have a place in my heart. But I was at an age where I'd had sampled the Premier League. And once you've sampled it, that's where you want to be. And and I had a chance. I had a chance to go to Villa amongst a lot of other Premier League clubs and one or two clubs abroad, believe it or not. But um, I did choose Villa. Yeah, did you feel like that was just the right time to move on and, and go and sign for a club like Aston Villa? Yeah, I'd played, I'd played a lot of games for Bolton. I, I felt like I'd, you know, I'd, I'd learned my trade. I'd learned from good managers, experienced managers, experienced players, played against good players. And I felt I was, I was ready to play at that level um, on a regular basis. And I'd nothing against Bolton Wanderers. I just I did I didn't want to go play back in the championship again at that stage of my career. How did you find you weren't there too long at Villa, was it a couple of years? How did you find your time there and, and did you expect to be there for a bit longer than you were? Yeah, yeah. I signed a five year contract at Villa and I was only there two years. Um it started off very well. Christmas in the first season we were top of the league, top of the Premier League. Uh was playing regular and and, and you know we were doing very well and we were spending big money. We were bringing in good players. Although the best, best player did go to Man United, as in Dwight York. Um, but it, it just, for some reason, just turned a bit sour and it didn't, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to go. Um, so I had to move on. Just before we move on to your time at Celtic, which is obviously a, a big chunk of your career, a big successful chunk of your career, I'll just ask you a couple of questions about, quick fire questions about your time at Bolton. I think, I was, I was going to ask you your best goal, and, and I mentioned the Liverpool one at Anfield. Would, would that be one you'd consider as your, the best goal you scored for Bolton, or is there another one? Um, 
yeah, probably probably the the one that you mentioned at Wembley would be a good one, but obviously we've got nothing out of the game and, and the one at Anfield, they'd, they'd be two of my favourite goals in terms of, you know, being good strikes, yeah. yeah. What's the best individual game that you played in during your time at Bolton? Best in that, I think we played Leicester in the Premier League at the Reebok and I think we won 2-0 and I scored two goals. I remember this, the assistant manager of Leicester coming up to me after the game, John Robertson famous Nottingham Forest winner and Robbo said to me because um, he said you'll have to come and sign for us son. Scottish lad in there yeah uh, <laughs> and, and actually after that season when I did go to Villa Martin O'Neill and Robbo did try to sign me at Leicester so he, he did he give me a little he come and shook my hand after the game and said you'll have to sign for us at Leicester so uh, that was that was one of my better games yeah and, and just the final one before we move on and it's Probably a difficult one because you spent probably five good years at, at Bolton, but who's the best player you played with during your time at Bolton? The best player I played with? Yeah. Um, God, it's a tough question, that. Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably say Stubbsy. I thought Stubbsy was, a, um, he was an all-rounder. He was, a, he was reasonably quick. He was aggressive. He could head it. He could play with both feet. Um, he could defend. He was he was a bit of a leader. You know, you look up to him. You know what Stubbs? He was he was he was an all round, very very good centre half. Stubbs, and he was a good leader in our dressing room. Yeah. Yeah, and of course he went on to have a good career, didn't he, Stubbs? Yeah. 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 There was quite a few players like um, you know established Premier League players who had like cameos there, such as like Peter Beardsley came for a spell, didn't he? And, did you kind yeah. of learn from players of that ilk as well? Um, yeah, well, I, I knew Peter well from Newcastle yeah. as well. And, um, we had John Sheridan come in from yeah. Sheffield Wednesday and Shez was a top, top Premier League player who could, you know, he could pass it better than most John Shez. So, um, we did, we got some real good signings in um, and added to the good teams that we already had. Yeah, so of course, the year 2000 is the year you moved to Celtic. Obviously, a massive club steeped in, in, in history. You know, a big, well-known club in, all around Europe. Were you pleased to be going up there at first or, or did you actually want to be still playing in the I, Premier League? I, I still had a chance to go to one or two Premier League clubs, but the big attraction for me was, um, obviously, I had, I had Stubbsy at the time was at Celtic. And um, I spoke to him about it and he just he said, you'll not believe it till you get here. But... The manager had gone from Leicester, believe it or not, Martin O'Neill had, had gone to Celtic and um, he rang me up and he said, listen, you've turned me down once, please don't turn me down again. Like, you know, so, because um, obviously I spoke to him when he was at Leicester, but I didn't sign for him. So he said, this time, come, come and have a bit of this. And I was, I was more than happy to go up there because it's a special place. Now, Scottish football is fascinating because if you look at the history and the way things panned out, it sort of almost happens in big chunks. So Celtic have an era of winning everything. The Rangers obviously had their era of winning everything. So you had seven seasons with a club and won the title five times during that period. Obviously, hugely successful. But a massive achievement because throughout the 90s and the back end of the 80s, Rangers were massively dominant in Scottish football. So to sort of have your dominant spell, that must have been a big achievement for the whole group. Yeah, I think I think when when our first my first season there, I didn't join till September, October, I think it was. Um, the season had already started. But um, the, the season previous to that, before Martin O'Neill joined them, I think they'd lost the, season, uh, the league by something like 15 or 16 points. So 
Morton's remit was to, to close the gap. Um, but not only did he close the gap, he, uh, he won the treble in his first season, which no one expected him to go and win the league, never mind go and win the treble. So it was a huge, huge achievement, achievement for Celtic, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, even though Celtic are dominant now, again, it must be an era that Celtic fans look back on really fondly because even after a couple of years after you left, Rangers had another little spell, I think, of winning the league three, two or three years in a row. So that, that little era there with sort of you guys, Henrik Larsson, players like that, that must be an era that Celtic fans even today look back on really fondly. Oh, yeah. Listen, when, when I was in Thailand not long ago doing a couple of gigs for Celtic and... Um, and the, the fans, they just come out anywhere in the world in their numbers and, and, and they still speak about that being one of the best Celtic teams in, in the Celtic's history. Obviously, the best being the, the 67 Lisbon Lions team who won the European Cup. Um, but they, they speak about our team who, who got to the UEFA Cup final in 2003 as being up there as, as one of the best Celtic teams ever, yeah. So it's obviously a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on to that UEFA Cup final uh, soon, but... Just a question as just a regular English football fan, sort of looking from the outside in. What were the old firm games like to play in? Because for me, I think that's probably the biggest rivalry in, in British football, isn't it, really? Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, it's difficult to describe them. Um, the, on, the only way you would get the feeling is, is to go to one, really. And if you go and watch one, you, you'd get a slight idea of what it would be like to play in one. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been fortunate enough. I think I played in twenty seven or twenty eight old firm games, and I've been to watch one or two. And even the the, the couple that I have been to watch as a supporter, um, it gives you a buzz. So you can only imagine what it would get actually playing in one. Yeah, very very special. You managed to score in a few, I believe, as well, didn't you? Uh, yes. Off the, of me, off the top of my head, yeah, I scored seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You must love that. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I just had a knack of scoring against them on a fairly regular basis, so uh, I get reminded of that quite often. Yeah, me and Luke had a discussion before, and just saying, what must it be like being in a city like that, where one half absolutely idolises and loves you, and the other half, well, let's put it, doesn't like you that much. So, <laughs> going out and living there and, and spending your time, you know, away from the football, what what was it like living in the city? Um. Well, I lived out of the city for a start. <laughs> good, good idea. Yeah. No, I lived in a, I lived in a suburb out of the city, but um, no, it's very difficult. You've got to be careful where you go, what you do, because um, as you as you've just touched on, one half of the city loves you, and one one half of the city doesn't particularly like you in the slightest. So, um, yeah, but I, I I try to keep a happy medium. Um, I just if, if I lost an old firm game, I tried to still go out to a restaurant for a bite to eat. And if I won an old firm game, I went to a restaurant for a bite to eat. I, mm. I tried not to hide away just because we got beat. Um, or if we did win, I wouldn't I wouldn't rub it in. I just try to keep a happy medium and keep it level, really. Yeah, I mean playing at, at Parkhead must it's sort of it's a strange one to explain because playing at Parkhead must have been unbelievable to have a massive stadium full of you know green shirts, green and white hoops backing you. But then at the same time, when you go to Ibrox and you're looking yeah. into the stands, it must feel like they're, they're sort of gnarling at you like like dogs, like wolves, really. Oh yeah, pure pure hatred, um, <laughs> pure hatred. But uh, I don't know. I just I, I seem to thrive off that um, both at Celtic Park and at Ibrox. You know, I, I really did enjoy the occasion. I enjoyed what it meant to both sets of fans, and um, 
no, it's just yeah, really, really special, special days. Yeah, no. whilst we're at Celtic, you you um, I think you you got your full England cap, didn't you? Um, I read yeah. somewhere that I think you were the first player to play for England whilst representing Celtic, or certainly the first in a long time. Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, um, yeah. so that was. I was I was um, oh, I was thirty at the time, so you don't think that England cap's going to come. So um, when I eventually did get the the phone call or the letter, um, it was a pleasant surprise. And as I said earlier about the under twenty ones and youth England, it's it's always a pleasure to represent your country and and to re represent the the full team. You know, it was, it was a special time. Yeah, was that probably the proudest moment you had on on the field in your career? Um, no, no, it would be up there. It would be up there. But uh, I've had many, many special achievements. Um, but but that, that would obviously be one. Um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, just looking at your your call up for England. Um, it was just before Euro two thousand and four. So was it Sven Eriksson, the manager? Did he just call you in to play that game, or did you kind of see it as an audition to try and maybe an outside well, that, to get in the squad? I thought it was a bit of an audition, um, but we played Sweden away. I started the game. I did have a slight hamstring problem. We had an old firm game on the Sunday before the the, the midweek game for England, but I wasn't going to let that hamstring strain. It wasn't a strain. It was just tightness, and I thought I'm not even going to bring it up because if I bring it up, you know they'll just they'll just take me in and they'll just say you're not you're not fit to start type of thing. So I mm. kept it quiet. So I didn't feel great in the first place physically. Um, but Jamie Carragher played left-back behind me and being a left-sider, the, the one thing you, you do want behind you is a, is a left-footed left-back, you know, getting the ball and opening up on his left foot and, and passing you the ball early and giving you a chance to do whatever you do. But Jamie Carragher, no offence to Jamie Carragher, I thought he was, his best position was obviously centre-half and he was right-footed. But every time Jamie got the ball, he predominantly goes inside on his right foot, which the chances of me receiving the ball when he goes inside on his right foot became quite difficult. So that didn't help me. So I don't know if, if Sven Goran Eriksson done that just for that one occasion or what, I don't know. So um, that didn't help me, the fact that I had Jamie Carragher, a right-footed left-back playing behind us. Yeah, what was, the, what was the game like to play in? Because obviously you've played with some top, top players in your career, played against plenty of top, top players. But I was looking at the team earlier from that game and, and you still had... John Terry, Jamie Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney involved yeah. in the game. What was it like yeah, to play those lads? We had, a, we had a strong team out. Um, but then at the end of the day, it was a friendly game. I, I, can't, I can't speak from my point of view because I was obviously up for the game. It was my first cap. But the other lads, it's a friendly game. You know, are they going to put their bodies on the line? Wayne Rooney got injured. and You'd have to check the time, but I'm sure it was in the first five or ten minutes. He went off. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah, I know Vassell went off injured early on as well. I, I was yeah. looking earlier, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Wayne went off early as well. So, um, no, it's always a tough one. But uh, it would have been great that we've got one or two more chances to show that I thought I could do it at that level. But fortunately, I didn't. Yeah, just going back to your, your club at the time, Celtic. I, I did a little bit of maths. Well, it took me some effort, actually, because of the amount of goals he scored. But Henrik Larsson, I added up. The goals he scored in your first three seasons at Celtic, and it's 131 goals. I mean, that's right. absolutely ridiculous. How good was Henrik Larsson? Henrik was phenomenal. I mean, 
just the fact that he left Celtic and went on to play for Barcelona, win the European Cup, went to Man United, that, that, that he was scoring goals for Sweden in the World Cup while he was at Celtic. Um, he was a phenomenal player, absolute phenomenal. There was games that we didn't deserve to go and win and Henrik would, he would pull something out of the bag when you thought we didn't have a chance of winning. So, um, he was a very, very special player, unbelievably talented, um, athletic, um, agile, uh, left foot, right foot, head it, just the all-round striker. And I'm pleased eventually he did get the credit he deserved because I don't think it, it's Celtic he got the credit he deserved. One of the best players you played with, perhaps maybe the best player. Where do you rank Henrik Larton? Henrik would be up there in, in, in the top three, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. You mentioned the game that Henrik Larson was outstanding in the 2003 UEFA Cup final against Porto, which is obviously a massive occasion. Porto won on that night, 3-2 in extra time. What, what was the game like to be involved in? Of course, Jose Mourinho's team as well. Yeah, yeah, they, they went on to win the Champions League the following season, so they were a, they were a good, uh, very, very good outfit with some quality players. Um, we took them all away. We went down to 10 men in extra time. Bobo Baldi got sent off for us, so extra time against a good team in the, the temperature that it was on the night in Seville was so hot. Um, we pushed them so close, but we just ended up getting pipped 3-2. But it was a good game. Um, some of their tactics weren't ideal, quite frustrating. Um, I.e. time-wasting, lying around, rolling around on the floor and things like that. So it was a frustrating night and um, disappointing not to go on and win it after the run we had, the teams that we beat on the run, you know. Yeah, there's a story to come out of that game. So obviously, before we, we did this interview, I was doing a little bit of research and I went on YouTube, typed in your name and you did an interview um, alongside some of your former teammates. I think Jackie McNamara was on there. And you were speaking about an incident with Mourinho at halftime. Did, did you sort of spark a, a fight in the tunnel, spraying Lucas Aid on, on him? Yeah, did that happen, yeah, yeah. I'll have to hold my hands up again. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was there. Uh... He was getting a bit lively in the tunnel, Mourinho, and I've got a Lucas Aid bottle in my hand, so I just decided to scoosh it in his face, like, you know, so uh, <laughs> that, that started a riot while I'd done a run back to the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet he didn't like that because obviously at that time, it was sort of not long after that that he came out and said he was a special one. I mean, that was probably the height of his arrogance, wasn't it, about that time? Yeah, yeah, I think even on the night, he didn't even go out and watch his team receive the cup, so that was, that was that's just how he worked on it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you've recently joined Twitter as well, Tomo. It's, and yeah. looking from the outside, and it's easy to see the relationship you've got got with the Celtic fans. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was well. I actually joined it in February. Someone someone had put something on about a good friend of mine, Jackie McNamara, who just mentioned who who was ill. Jackie had a a, a brain problem, and uh, some Rangers fan put something on about Jackie, and I just thought someone told me about it, so. I managed to register myself and just put a, a message on, you know, get hoping Jackie well, get getting back on his feet again and what have you. And, and then I didn't touch it again from February. And then when Celtic got awarded the league a couple of weeks ago, um, I got a few notifications. John Hodgson had tweeted, well done, and Chris Sutton. So I just thought I'll just stick something on my Twitter, like, congratulations, Celtic, nine in a row, great achievement to Lenny and the boys. And then all of a sudden, it just went a little bit mad, like, and I thought, what's all this about? So, I'm, I'm still getting my head round it. I still need to get the tick. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get up and running with it a little bit, yeah. The old blue tick. Um, yeah, <laughs> obviously, you had an amazing time at Celtic. It's clear to see that 
you know, the, the fans appreciate your efforts during your time up there. So that said, under Gordon Strachan, when you sort of fell out of, out of favour, so to speak, and you left the club, that must have been difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, but, you know, everyone's got to have their time. And I felt my time, I'd had my best years at Celtic. And, um, and I wasn't going to sit there. And I could have sat there for another 12 months and, and just picked my money up. But I didn't want to do that. Um, I wanted to go and I wanted to play and, and I left and went to Leeds United for 18 months so it would have been easy just to stay at Celtic but I didn't want to sit on the bench pick my money up and watch the team go and achieve things on the park and not be a part of that So, but I couldn't complain it was it was an unbelievable part of my career so no, uh, it was disappointing obviously but all good things come to an end unfortunately Yeah and then the last little chapter at Leeds United you said you wanted to sort of move on and play football. Did, did that happen? How did you find your time at Leeds? Yeah, yeah, Leeds was great. Um, problem was with Leeds, I was travelling from Newcastle every day. I'd moved from Glasgow to Newcastle and, and my body wasn't coping very well. My cough, my cough, I kept getting cough strains. So I didn't play anywhere near the amount of games I wanted to play. I went in, Dennis Wise made me captain as soon as I arrived. But I, unfortunately, I just couldn't keep fit and um, it didn't work out very well at all, really. In hindsight, I should have moved closer, but I didn't. Dennis Wise is an interesting character. What was he like to sort of work with? Because as a player, he was obviously tenacious. Dennis was great as a manager. Dennis and he had Gus Poyer, obviously, as his assistant. Um, they were both very, very good and they worked very well together. Um, but obviously, at some stage, Gus wanted to go on his own and, and try, his, try on his own management, which he has. And... Uh, Dennis has seemed to just do his little bit of TV work now. But I thought Dennis had all the credentials to be a real top manager. Um, very good tactically, um, very good um, mentally, um, very good with set plays and things like that. Great with the uh, physical side of it, about getting prepared for games. He just couldn't keep me fit. So, yeah, no, he was good, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, then obviously you had a little loan spell at Hartlepool and, and I believe you retired at the age of 34. Was, was that the decision? Was that what made you, you mind up your injury? Yeah, yeah I, went, I went to Hartlepool for a month because it was close to Newcastle. Um, and Dennis said to us, look, why don't you go up there? It's not far from your house. Play some games, get a bit of fitness up, come back here and give us a hand towards the end of the season because we're looking for promotion to the championship from League One. And... Um, when I went to Hartlepool, Dennis left Leeds and he went to um, he went to Newcastle as director of football and Gary, Gary McAllister come into Leeds and he, he called me back from Hartlepool and bizarrely, I was at Hartlepool. I think I played five or six games in the month. Not a problem. Trained most days. Done a bit of travelling to the training ground. As soon as I went back to Leeds, travelling, my calf went again. That was... So it just wasn't, wasn't right for me doing all that travelling and trying to play football. And then we got beat Leeds in the playoff final at Wembley. Gary McAllister left me out. I was fit and he left me out. And I just thought, that's enough, really. Was that the Doncaster final? Was that the 3 0? Yeah, yeah, that was the Doncaster game. And I just thought, there, yeah, that's enough. And uh, I chucked it. And then that's when I started coaching, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, since you've stopped playing, you've, you've done some coaching at quite a few clubs, to be fair. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love coaching. I love getting out on the training ground and, and working, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with an individual or whether it's with a, with a group, a back four or a midfielder, whatever. I, I, I love doing it. And uh, I haven't done it for a while now, but it'd be nice to get back in at some stage. But uh, yeah, it's been, been interesting. Yeah, what, what 
what's the life of Alan Thompson at the minute? Is that just the aim to try and get back into coaching? Or yeah, I'd like to get back into coaching at some stage when the time's right, yeah, and um, hopefully get that opportunity. Um, so we'll wait and see, see what happens. Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you, Alan. Thanks a lot. Well, welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Alan. Great to see you again yeah, after no all these years.